Today, I want to talk about the holy home. I want to talk about the holy home. Before I get started and before we read, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24, but before we read, I just want to kind of give you this preface here. The holy home is not a home that's doing better than the next. The holy home is not a home that uh, has its ducks in a row. The holy home is simply but exclusively and powerfully a home that is set apart for the Lord. I'll repeat that. A holy home is a home that is set apart for the Lord. That's what the word holy means. For something to be holy means that it is set apart for the Lord. It's not enchanted. It has no special magical powers. Unless the Holy Spirit bid it so. It's simply set apart, dedicated exclusively for the Lord. And God, I pray our homes be holy homes. Homes set apart for the Lord our God. If you will, turn your Bibles to chapter 24 of Joshua. We'll start in verse 14. The Bible says this, Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and truth. Y'all help me say that. Sincerity and truth. Let's say it together. Sincerity and truth. The Bible says, get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. When? When? Choose for yourselves today. How many of you know that today is the day that the Lord has made? And we can rejoice and be glad in it, give him all the praise and the glory and the honor. But regardless, we have a choice to make. Choose today, today, which you will worship. The gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? As for me and my house, y'all help me here, we will serve the Lord. When considering the attributes and the things that... um, that go with a holy home. I got about three or four things I wanna bring to your attention today that God showed me through my time of study regarding the holy home and a home set apart for the Lord. And you know, it's really timely. If you take note and pay attention of the current events, maybe some of you are smart and just keep your cell phone turned off. I'm about to that point. Maybe you keep the news channel turned off. I'm about to that point. This is uh, pretty relevant, or relevant. Well, it's relevant and relevant. A holy home is a shield for the future. A home set apart for the Lord is a shield for the future. As we are raising up this next generation of disciples, I got to tell you, I'm I'm so proud of my daughter Natalie. She goes to Abundant Life Christian School and. And uh, no matter what you think about all that, she got two awards. (laughs) She got highest average in her grade for Bible, and her character award was eagerness to learn and to serve. So I don't know. uh, If you ask me, I'd say we're raising disciples. I'm going to claim that anyway. I was so proud to see that. 
a holy home or a home set apart for the Lord is a shield for the future. We are raising up the next generation of disciples and with as much emphasis as we place on raising up the next generation of disciples, the world places that same emphasis on pushing agenda. And it shouldn't, we shouldn't claim that it's the world pushing this agenda. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against, uh, we, we wrestle against the principalities of darkness, the powers of the air, the enemy, Satan and his fiery darts. That's who we wrestle against. And as much emphasis as as we place on building up and raising up the next generation. I have a few people who are guests in here today who have taken much part over the last 20 or some odd years in raising up the next generation. It's a pleasure to have you in the audience today. You know exactly what I'm talking about. With the same amount of emphasis as we place on raising up the next generation, the enemy is neck and neck. He is coming just as hard, if not harder, through the influence of idolatry, um, confusion, and boy, you know, I shouldn't worry uh, for the sake of my faith, but I think a lot about the world that my kids are growing up in. I think a lot about the future. As I wrestle with these things and as I pray, as I consider these things in, my, in just my personal devotion to the Lord, right? The Lord speaks and he's saying, this is opportunity. This is opportunity for you, mom. This is opportunity for you, dad or caretaker. This is opportunity for you to become that shield, right? To become that uh, uh, discipler, that one who creates and generates uh, this new era of discipleship, right? You are a shield, a holy home, a home set apart for the Lord is a shield for the future. As we raise up this next generation of disciples, yes, it's, it's scary in some ways. Yes, there's so much influence and there are so many idols just captivating the attention of our uh, children, captivating our children in such a way that it's hard to pry my son's iPad from his hands. It's hard to pry the TV away and, and actually do something constructive in some ways. A holy home, though, is a shield for the future. If you ever watch me and Noah, we butt heads sometimes because I'm a little hard on him. I'm just trying to be that shield for the future. Because boy, the world that they will grow up in, the places they'll go, the things that they'll see and hear and do. Oh, goodness gracious. Contextually, in the word of God here, Joshua is speaking to the Israelite nation about these idols that they've carried with them over the years uh, from beyond the Euphrates River and uh, in the midst of the Amorite culture. These idols uh, were the result, that, like the reason the Israelites had these idols uh, was because the impressions made on them by the cultures around them uh, from their past, present, and future. Through time... They had traveled many distances um, in following the Lord out of captivity or uh, battle or uh, you name it. The Israelites were the problem children of the Lord. So 
Some of us got a couple of those ourselves. Or we are those. And these idols, actual statues, looked like little trophies that they would tote around with them. Um, They were passed down from generation to generation. And they were believed to hold power. They were believed that, uh, the Israelites believed because of the history and, and their path, because of their trials or their learning in history, they believed that these idols provided for them. They believed that these idols brought them health, brought them wealth, brought them provisions. They believed in these idols to be uh, what was carrying them along the way, alongside of the Father Yahweh. They still believed in Yahweh. But they placed a bit of significance on these idols, false gods as well. Let me give you uh, a description of these gods. Um, Some of these idols came from Samaria and and the Babylonian culture. They were labeled the gods of heritage. Some of these idols came from Egypt. They were labeled the gods of upbringing. This is where I get the idea of past, present, and future. And then in the current culture in which they were staying in this time, are residing in a part of the uh, Amorite culture, the gods of culture. And as they gathered these idols to themselves, the impression that, this, um, that these idols made on the Israelites was uh, that of a security blanket. Anybody's children love their blanket? Any children in here have a blanket? That's okay. Security blanket. Some adults in here. Still gotta, still have a security blanket. It doesn't have to be a blanket. So for some of you, it's that cell phone. For some of you, it's that place, that person. Whatever it may be, these Israelites held to these idols as if it brought them uh, some sort of provision for their health, wealth, or food, or, or it was just comfort, right? They looked at the idol there, almost as if a, It was an insurance policy. And Joshua is calling out for the Israelites to do something that he knew would be difficult. For years they had carried these um, totems. They had carried these idols, these little trophies, these statues. They had carried them with such reverence over the years. And they had placed such priority on these things and, and devoted their, some of their worship to these things and considered them to be as high of stature as Yahweh, the creator of the universe. They looked at them as gods the same as him. And, and Joshua here is calling out to the Israelites to displace those, to throw them away, to turn away from those. And he knew it would be difficult. He knew it would be hard. It's like someone who smokes cigarettes for 30 years, quitting them cold turkey. Boy, I don't know what that's like, but I'm sure it's hard. And Joshua is calling out for these idols to be displaced, discarded. He wanted them to discard their idols and only serve Yahweh. And watch this. The whole time this was never about putting God first. It was about the exclusivity in the relationship between The Israelites and Yahweh. Exclusive worship to Yahweh. Nothing else. 
no one else. And Joshua declares with this statement, you choose today who you're going to serve, but as for me and my house, y'all help me, we will serve the Lord. Here's what I know. I believe our children are being directly attacked by the enemy as we speak. Through influence, through culture, through uh, media outlets, kids' YouTube isn't safe. I want you to know that. If you are blindly allowing your kid to watch kids' YouTube, I want you to go in there and set some settings up, okay? Because it isn't all the way safe. There's awesome stuff on there, but there's also some not awesome stuff on there. And I'm not going to get into this uh, type of rant, but what I want you to know is that we are in the midst of such a spiritual battle today, and the target is your children. The enemy knows that if he can get a hold of your children, he's got a hold of the future. If the enemy's got a hold of the future, remember who the target is. The target is the image of God, and as the bearers of the image of God, whether you believe in him, whether you trust in him, whether you have a relationship with God or not, he has created you in his image, and so therefore you have a target on you. The enemy wants nothing more than to destroy the image of the one true God, and how he will do it is if he can't get it taken care of through you, he'll play the long game through your children. He's patient. He's crafty. Not to give him too much credit in here, but I think that's why 1 Peter says, be sober-minded and be vigilant for the sake of your prayers during this time. The kingdom of heaven is right at hand, Peter says. That means it's, it's there the kingdom of heaven is. So be sober-minded and vigilant I don't know of a better time in history than to ever be sober-minded and vigilant in this place. I think some, some of this is due uh, to the trainers and how we as the trainers have been sending mixed signals to the trainees, if you will. Let me let you know what I mean. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says this, Start a youth out in the way... That it should go, and even as he grows old, he'll never depart from it. Uh, my favorite version says this. Raise a child up in the way that it should go, and it'll never depart from it. We are the trainers of the next generation. We are tasked by God to raise up this next generation of disciples. It's not uh, that that objective, that mission is not solely placed on the church and your kids pastor, okay? I want you to know that. It's not solely placed on the church and your youth pastor. Yes, we will team up with you and we are all as a tribe going to raise up this next generation. But parents, I got to tell you something. It is your job, it is my job that we place emphasis and effort and put forth some real effort towards raising up our children children as disciples, making sure that they know the Lord, making sure that they'll never depart from it, not turn, not, now there's a fine line here, you could really do something in such a way in raising up this next generation that will turn them away from the Father, there is such thing as bad leadership in the home, but what I will say is I will just choose, I'm not an expert on family living, I'm not a counselor in that way, um, 
But I'll choose to believe what the Bible says when it says that we will start up a child in the way that it should go and he'll never depart from it. I'm going to try my best to do that with my kids. And God has tasked us with the objective to raise up the next generation as disciples for him. And it is our duty. Stop throwing your kids to the schools. They're not going to teach them to follow the Lord. Stop throwing your kids to the children's ministries and not holding the hands of the children's workers. Stop throwing your kids to other people to teach them how to serve and follow the Lord. You be the example. You be the leader. You be the teacher. You walk in such a way. May your home be a holy home. May your home be a house set apart for the Lord in such a way that when uh, little Timmy or little Susie watches mommy and daddy operate within the home, they know that this is a holy home. I want to operate in our marriage in such a way that my son and my daughter will know without a shadow of a doubt, without me even saying much, that mommy and daddy follow the Lord. But too many times we find homes, trust me, I was a student pastor for what, some nine years? Worked in the student ministry for some nine years. I went to homes. We had a bus ministry. I drove up in front yards that you would have to step over all the junk in the front yard of and and get these kids out from this trailer that had no door. It was just a sheet there as a door. I would grab the kid and, you know, step over all the motor parts in the front yard, put them in the church bus and take them to church. What I'm saying is there are homes that the parent means well by sending their kid to church. (coughs) Excuse me. But the trainer is sending mixed, uh, mixed signals to the trainee. Here, little Timmy, go to church. Praise the Lord. I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord. So I send my kids to church, and at home, there's zero example. It's all talk, no walk. May we be holy homes that are shields for the future. We are called to raise up the next generation of mighty disciples for the Lord. And I believe God's got a plan and a purpose for the young people of today. They are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. And as we continue to raise them up, the Bible says from the mouth of babes, prophecy will be shouted out. I'm going to tell you something. God can and will use the younger generation, but it's on us to train them up in the way that they should go. Amen? Some of y'all are having so many problems at home because you have idols from where you've been that are blocking where you want to go or where God's called you to go. I'm sorry, but don't think for one second that God is going to open up new doors when you want to carry a suitcase from the past through them. We must surrender these idols unto the Lord. We must surrender these, uh, uh, these false gods to the Lord. What does this look like, Austin? What does it mean these idols that may come from the past, right? Uh, It could be old ideologies. It could be the way we always have done it. It could be um, things that we place uh, importance on that carries the same weight or more weight 
than God himself. It could be anything. Anything can become an idol for today. And when we uh, choose to place importance, more importance on these idols than God, what will happen is, yes, we'll see the effects of it in our spiritual life, but who gets affected the most? The little ones that are merely watching and learning from your example. That's who is affected the most. It is on us to be the example. That's what Joshua is trying to get across to the Israelites and make them understand. Before they could go any further, these Israelites had traveled a long way. As the new, semi-new, by this point he's been leading for quite some time, but he was the successor of Moses. As the new leader of Israel, uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, the Israelites, He's calling out to them to do something that he knows is hard. To repent of these idols. To cast them away. To, uh, to throw them asunder. And Joshua's trying to get them to understand that before they could go any further and be blessed by God, they have to determine whom they would choose to serve. They have to determine who is their God. Will it be the idols or will it be Yahweh? Will it be the idols or will it be Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, the God who saves? Will it be the God who sees? Will it be Yahweh, the creator of the universe? Will it be him or these idols? And what Joshua is saying by this is you can't have both. You can't have one foot in the door with Yahweh and the other foot in the door with your lustful desires. You can't have one foot in the door with Yahweh and one foot in the door with uh, something else that takes higher priority. God desires all of you. And Joshua is preaching to the Israelites and saying, bring all of you to the Lord. Cast away these idols. Let me tell you something, church. The holy home is the hope for society today. The holy home or a home set apart for the Lord. You know it starts at the home. It's your first ministry, men. Men in here, you didn't know you were called to ministry, did you? This is your first ministry, your home. You're called to be the leaders of the household. You're called to spiritually lead the home, right? This is your ministry. If nothing else, if you succeed at anything else, that's great, but if nothing else, raise your family, lead your family. This is God's call on your life. And a home set apart for the Lord is the hope of society today. I believe that we are being challenged by the enemy and tasked by the Lord for such a time as this. God has called us for such a time of this, to be shields for the future as we raise up these children and the way that they should go and lead our families, to love our families well, to have more children, to make more disciples and multiply, to honor God through it all. Look at the current events God said in the beginning. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Culture today says it's your body, your choice, your life. And though Satan will always give you a bit of truth along with a lie, I want you to know that we should operate in a way that says God's will be done for our life. God's will is that we are fruitful and multiply and lead our families well and we disciple our families and, and we honor God through it all. 
The enemy is trying everything in his power to sterilize and slow the growth of the human race. Uh, Of course, if I was him, I would too. You are the image of God, and if the image of God is my enemy, then I would do the same thing. But remember, as the image of God, you have a target. You have a target on you that the enemy is aimed at constantly. Listen, church, a home set apart for the Lord is a shield for the future. And a home set apart for the Lord believes in the sanctity of marriage. Home set apart for the Lord. A holy home believes in the sanctity of marriage. I want you to know something, church. Marriage is still sacred. Marriage between one man and one woman still means something. In a culture today where that view is marred or looked at as bigotry, I want you to know, praise God, marriage is still sacred. It's a holy covenant between one man and one woman for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the spread of God's word across the globe. It is for the sake of communion with one another. It is for the sake of the body of Christ. I'm not an expert on marriage, but I've been married for quite some time, I think now about a decade. And what I'll say is this, what I've learned through the years is I'm better with Sandra than without Sandra. I'm better working with her than working against her. The house is truly happier when mom is happy. Marriage is a holy, remember holy meaning set apart, covenant between one man, one woman before the Lord. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22, wives submit yourselves to your husbands as the Lord, as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands and everything, but husbands don't get the big head. Love your wives just as Christ has loved the church. That's some big shoes to fill. And gave himself for her to make her holy, to make her set apart. Cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. Listen, church, the woman is to submit to her husband in this sanctified marriage, this sanctified uh, communion, this covenant. The woman is to submit to her husband as he submits to God. It's the uh, yo-yo family concept. Do you remember the home team series? As the father Cast vision onto the husband and the husband communes with the father and there is that relationship and the husband follows the father's lead then begins to lead his home. The wife submits to the husband's leadership because she trusts that the husband is following the Lord's leadership. And it trickles down to your children. But what happens organically when that happens, when we throw our idols out and we worship God with exclusivity, what happens is when we follow the, uh, the principles of the word here in Ephesians, what happens is organically, like a yo-yo, it bounces right back up. Worship directly attacks the throne room. As we follow the Lord's will for the family, Worship flows right up to the Lord. As we operate in the will of the Father for our lives, 
That is the greatest form of worship you can ever present to the Father, is obedience in that way. As you obey the statutes of the Lord, as you obey the Lord, as you place importance on obedience to the Lord, that is the most important and most effective form of worship before Him is surrender. Saying, God, this is not my life, but it belongs to you. And this home is set apart for you. And my marriage is set apart for you. And my kids are set apart for you. The woman is to submit to her husband as he submits to God. And submitting looks like this, letting the husband lead. Offering a level of respect to the husband that is unique from the ways that she respects others. Trusting the process as God continues to work in and on the husband. And there are fruits of the Spirit. You can discern that, women of God. And most importantly, trust in one another as you both trust the Lord. The husband is to love his wife as Christ has loved the church. And man, that's a great feat. That's big, giant shoes to fill. And what does loving look like from the husband? Grace upon grace. How has Christ loved you? Unconditionally. Without waver. Standing strong. Loving looks like grace upon grace. Tender care. Understanding. Listening. Being there. Being present. Understanding when she's had a long day and cops an attitude when you've done nothing wrong. This isn't marriage counseling, but most importantly, again, trusting one another as you both love and trust the Lord. When we operate in this way, God gets the glory and the enemy remains defeated. If he can't touch your home, he can't touch the world. If the enemy can't get a hold of your home, he can't get a hold of the world. According to recent research in 2022, 41% of all marriages ended in divorce. The divorce rate is ungodly. That's because the idols of our culture have convinced us to be better receivers than givers in marriage. Have you ever seen that in your own marriage? I have. I have mine. I'm better at receiving the respect from Sandra than I am giving the love to Sandra. Our culture, we'll blame it on the culture, has made us stingy in our marriage. If you don't speak to my, uh, my, my, my love language, if you aren't doing all the things right, hey, we'll follow culture's example and we'll just throw you, each other away. We'll just discard the covenant. As if it was never holy. As if it was never uh, uh, set apart for the Lord. We'll just discard it. Now I get that there are reasons and, and God even places those plainly in the word of God for us to discern with and, and understand. Okay, maybe, I, okay, these are reasons why we should separate. But that is never the will of the Father. Restoration is the will of the Father. Though you have permission, though it may be excusable to separate, the enemy wants to separate the home. He is the author of confusion. He uh, ushers in division. And when it's hard in marriage and when it stinks, and when the kids see you fight more than they see you love each other, that's all 
the more time to ramp it up. Ramp it up. What do you mean, Austin? Both of you get up in this word. Both of you get down on your knees. Both of you seek the Lord. And what will happen? You ever seen that triangle? The wife, the husband, God. The husband gets a little closer to God. The wife gets a little closer to God. They ramp it up. Somebody say ramp it up. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder. Tell him you got to do better. Everybody's like, I ain't doing that. Come on. <laughs> ben, you got to do better, brother. Ben's like, I'm doing all I can. What are you talking about? But as the wife gets closer to, to God and, and the husband gets closer to God, look, miraculously, watch this, they get closer together, right? It's the Lord who holds things together. It's God's grace, his mercy, and when we follow his attributes, when, or when we follow his statutes, rather, I'm sorry, and when we take note of what his word says, when we follow in obedience the will of the Father, what will happen is we'll never be closer. Sandra, you and I will never be closer than when we are both simultaneously following the Lord. Never be closer, ever, ever, ever. No secular marriage counseling session can ever bring you closer to, uh, to each other than the Lord can. No secular uh, uh, group meeting or conference retreat, yeah, those are fun and they're wonderful. And I'll go on one if you invite me, but what I'm saying is that can't do you wonders like the Word of God can. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We will not be conformed to the world around us. We will throw our idols away. We will take the totems that are in our homes and break them and throw them away and serve God exclusively. Because our home doesn't work the same way as the world around us thinks it should. We operate in grace. We, we operate in love. We operate in kindness and understanding, devotion. When we fall down, we get back up, right? We, we hold each other accountable. We don't quit when things get hard. We have the Lord as our strength, and we have the saints of God around us to walk through the battles with us. We are the body of Christ to do life with one another and raise, each other, or raise the next generation up as a tribe, the body of Christ. We have a holy home. And it's set apart for the Lord. A holy home is not only a shield for the future. It don't all, uh, only believe in the sanctity of marriage. But lastly, it's God's delight. A holy home is God's delight. I know some of y'all are, are, um, are rounding the corner of hunger and need to get to lunch. But give me your ear for about five more minutes. The Kaiser house is a holy home. It's a home that is set apart for the Lord. We belong to the Lord, so therefore we will serve the Lord in everything we do, in everything that we say, in everything that we read, in everything that we, listen, watch. This is a word for somebody because you've been watching some things that have been sowing some, um, some destructive seeds in, in, into your uh, thought processes and the way you think without you even knowing it. Can I continue? In everything we wear, in everything that we, even in everything that we eat. The Bible says whether you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, do all into the glory of God. 
God delights in a home that believes and trusts and depends on him. God delights when a family prays together instead of fights together. God delights when we disciple our kids and place priority on our first ministry, the family. The problem is some of us are serving God on one hand with an idol in the other. Exodus chapter 20 verse 4 says this, Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below, in the waters under the earth. Do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them, for I am the Lord your God. I'm jealous. I'm a jealous God. He's not jealous of you. He is jealous for you. And the Bible says, he said, punishing the children for the father's iniquity to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing faithful love. Somebody say faithful love. Faithful love. He's faithful. He is faithful to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Church, one thing I want you to know here as we round this whole thing up is God is crazy about you. He's crazy about you. He's jealous for you. And let me tell you why. Listen up, church. You are made in his image. I've said it once. I've said it a million times. You are the image bearers of the creator. In all of creation, as he began to speak things into existence, and as he began to work and mold and shape the earth and the cosmos, one thing that he chose to slow down on was you. One thing that he chose to, instead of speaking into existence, but yet formed into existence, was you. You were the thing that received the breath of life into your lungs. You were the thing that is, for man, humankind was formed by God's hand out of the dirt of the earth. You were made in his image. You are made to be spitting images of God and his creative ability. You are fully loved. Get this church now. Don't miss this. You are fully loved and fully known by the creator of the universe. The creator of all things has spent the time and put forth the effort to know you and love you through and through. That means in your shortcomings, he loves you. In your highest moments in life, he loves you. When you're doing your best, dad, he loves you. When you're doing your worst, dad, he loves you. When you're doing your best, mom, he loves you. When you're doing your worst, mom, he loves you. When you've been unfaithful, he loves you. When you fall short in sin, he loves you. When you lie, man, he loves you. He's crazy about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully created, the Bible says. You have been so meticulously and uniquely created in a way that no other thing in all creation can mimic your ability. But don't get the big head because you're still sinful. But God is crazy about you, church. He loves you with an everlasting and unconditional love, and he's gone to great lengths to show you this. Not only by way of the cross of Christ, but through your daily blessings. I challenge you right now, count your blessings. Right now, you think I'm joking. Count your blessings. Think them up. Oh, has he not been faithful? Has he not just lavished you with love and mercy and grace and kindness even when you know you deserve otherwise even when you know if you got what you deserve 
boy, that's a scary movie and a half. God is crazy about you and he loves you. And he's gone to great lengths to show you this and I dare you. Keep account on, on your blessings. Think up your blessings. That's why as for me and my house, we'll choose to serve the Lord because God has shown his love for my family and me time and time again with exclusivity. So we will choose to love him exclusively. Him and him alone. And Christ alone, my hope is found. In Christ alone, I will choose to worship. Hey, what's that other song? Uh, um, 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 what's that other song? Um, uh, no, um, that's the song I was just saying, but Firm Foundation. Firm Foundation. Rain came, wind blew, my house was built on you. Do you know it? I'm safe with you, I'm going to make it through. If you know it, help me sing that part one more time. If you really know it, if you really experience this, rain came, wind blue, I'm going to make it through. Y'all help me now. I'm safe with you, I'm going to make it through. Yeah, rain came, wind blew, my house was built on you. I'm safe with you, I'm going to make it through. What does it continue to say though? Christ is my firm foundation. I'm no worship leader, but let's sing. The rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. What does it say? I've never been more glad. That's right. He's never let me down. He's faithful in every season. This is my favorite part. So why would he fail now? He won't. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know if you got this kind of joy up in you right now, but I'm going to tell you, there's been seasons in my life when rain came and the wind blew, but my house was built on the holy God of creation. He was my firm foundation. And yes, the winds and the waves beat my home and they crashed against the walls. But because I was built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ, we have stood we have stood and the enemy hadn't been able to take us out then. He won't take us out now because if God was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. He's faithful in every season. So why in the world would he fail now? The Bible says those who hear the word of the Lord and choose not to listen to those words are like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. By the way, if you're writing anything down, this is your, uh, your bonus point. A holy home is secure. A holy home is secure. Those who hear the words of the Lord and do not act upon them are like the foolish man who built his, his house on the sand and the wind came, the rains uh, came and, and crashed against the house and the house was destroyed, the Bible says. But then it goes on to talk about a wise man. It goes on to talk about the man who heard the word of the Lord. He heard the word of the Lord. He heard the word of the Lord and he listened to them and he followed them and he applied them. And what happens is when the rains came and the winds blew and beat upon the house, the house did not fall because the house was built upon the solid rock, the firm foundation. I'm concluding. So, Ben, you can come on up and goodness gracious, let's uh, respond to the message. Let's respond to the word of God. 
You guys get up here and let's get ready to to respond. Joshua spoke to the Israelites with conviction as he proclaimed exclusivity to the Lord in the culture of that day. And today, the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you as you consider your home. Are there idols in your home that you need to get rid of? Are there things that you've placed priority over that match or exceed the priority that you've placed upon the Lord? Do you need to give some idols up? Do you need to lay those at the feet of Jesus today? Are there things that hold the same value as the Lord does in your life? Come, lay them down at the feet of Jesus today and proclaim to the Lord your devotion to him because he is worthy of all of you. Choose this day to be a home set apart for the Lord in the midst of a wayward culture that is going every other direction but the direction of the Lord. Surrender to the Lord today. Come, be sweetly broken before the Lord at the altar here. Lay your idols, cast your cares before Him because He cares for you. Church, He wants all of you, not just some of you. He's jealous for you. He is a jealous God. He wants all of you. He wants all of your home. He wants you to serve Him with exclusivity and why wouldn't we after all that he's done for us after all that he's given us why wouldn't we serve him with exclusivity he desires an exclusive relationship with you why wouldn't we give him exclusive worship from us why wouldn't we worship him and him alone so as the band begins and the response time is here come Come to the altar. Lay these things before the Lord. Give the Lord what has uh, been placed before him all along. He wants it. You can lay it at the feet of Jesus. You can give it to the Lord, and he will bless you, and he will establish your goings. The Bible says that he, uh, what what does that psalmist say? He picked me up out of the miry clay. He set me upon the solid rock and established my goings. That's what he'll do. choose to become a holy home, a home set apart for